Hello and welcome to Bandcast Movie Trash. I'm DB, and with me as always is Aaron Minogue. Happy Halloween! And Jared Levin. What's up? And we just got finished watching Sleepaway Camp, the 1983 slasher film that inspired the 1980 movie Friday the 13th, as far as I'm concerned. So I told you guys to avoid spoilers for this one. Uh, I don't think there's any way that we're not going to try to go through the entire plot without spoiling the end. So we can just be very upfront about (laughs) what the spoiler was in this movie. Penis. And... It was a real penis. It was It was a real penis? It was the real penis of a college kid that they got drunk and then they had to shave his body, shave all his body hair, I guess. And they made a mask of Angela that put on with glass eyes and it looks really fucking freaky cuz it's just it's frozen in that pose and it's so good. But Man, yeah, so it was a it was a real guy. And that guy, I think I told you, Jared, that it was a grip from the movie. Yeah. Apparently that's not the case, but it was a college kid. I mean, they needed somebody of age. And um he has never come forward to claim his identity. And you know, the movie kind of came and went, and I don't think even the actors really know uh who he is, or if they are, they're respecting his privacy. So he's a drunk college kid. He's not a shower anyway. Yeah, he's a grower. We hope so. But you know what? To be fair, and I'm not making this up, they say that it was cold at night. They were actually shooting in the fall, not the summer. And they had to, for continuity purposes, occasionally paint the leaves because it was fall and it was changing color. So... Maybe we can give him some points on that. Because I will say, when I, maybe I'm not well endowed to begin with, sure. But when I come out of the water in my uh, wetsuit and I go to take a leak, I sometimes look like a very young boy down there. Because <laughs> it does cause shrinkage, as we all know from Seinfeld. That's right. Ditto. Aaron is looking very skeptical, by the way. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I, liars. <laughs> she's, she's heard this shit before. Yeah, right. Oh, by the way, with with the whole like thing when when he showed the penis, I was like, oh, that's why that that was why the mom was like, I did your physical for you, so you don't have to tell. How creepy was that? I love that. So that's the fun part about watching this movie again. I mean, I could say it. You know how like the first time you watch The Usual Suspects, and then you're like, oh, I gotta go back and see it again, or. Um, I don't know, 12 Monkeys. I put it right up there with that sleepaway camp. Sure, because then you're picking up these little things that you didn't catch the first time. Though I, I'm impressed that you caught that the first time. I, that dude, I was like, my head. oh. Dude, I smoke a lot of pot, but my memory's good. I didn't think about that, but now when you just said it, I do remember that creepy bitch saying that. Before we got to the reveal of the uh, the penis... I have written written in my notes is Angela transgender. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you say that? Before the reveal? Because they were like getting on her about the shower. And I, I don't know if it was because you were like, don't don't watch anything, don't ah, whatever. Damn. That okay. I was like expecting a huge yeah. something, but it just ended up being a little one. So oh, okay. <laughs> Man, this you're never. This guy's never gonna come forward. You keep talking, Dude, man. Like this is why. This is why he can't come forward. Yeah. He's like, yo, man, it was cold, 
I was drinking Budweiser. Uh, that'll shrink it too, for sure. It was a SAG minimum budget, and they didn't even pay me. The fact that you brought up the budget. I do have the budget numbers on this. They do not come from Box Office Mojo, which last week decided, like the fucking assholes they are, to put all of their data, the data that you want, behind a paywall. A paywall that is not like $5 a month or seven dollars a month which i was thinking i'd probably pay that just for the show twenty dollars a fucking month thanks dude that's more than netflix that's exactly what i said to myself i'm like hbo go is like 12 or 13 dollars a fucking website yeah who do people think they are it's imdb and it's owned by amazon so i'm sure that's gonna upset jared (laughs) oh dude (laughs) what the fuck man Oh shit! That's Bezos calling you right now. To, Bezos is calling to me. warn you against <laughs> disparaging his good company's name. <laughs> now the budget for this movie was three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. What? Wow! How does that compare to Friday the Thirteenth? You said the budget for that was like what around seven hundred? Is that right? Five hundred fifty thousand dollars. All right. So Friday the Thirteenth was five hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, this movie was three hundred and fifty, so we're talking an extra two hundred grand, which apparently goes a very long way in terms of the quality of the filmmaking. Because while I, I do love this movie, it's clearly pretty cheap and not many good shots in it. But it did make it came out Thanksgiving weekend of nineteen eighty three, the same weekend as Yentl, Barbara Streisand. And Amityville 3D, and it beat both of them. Oh, wow. I'm surprised about the Amityville. Not so much about the Yentl. It still made a profit, too. $11 million. That's pretty good. I saw that, too. Yeah, it made 30 times its budget. It was successful. And yeah, um, success. kind of became a sort of sleeper cult hit. Although it's not, I don't even know if you'd call it a sleeper cult hit because again it it, like pretty highly ranked that opening weekend but it did sort of fade away and but it has become a uh, a cult hit and it it has its fans including myself i can't remember if i saw it when i was a kid in the 80s i feel like i came across it more in like the 90s but um i can also tell you that jane krakowski which was originally cast as judy Jane Krakowski from uh, National Lampoon's Vacation fame. She was the one who is talking about French kissing and says, yeah, but my dad says I'm the best at it. And then (laughs) she, which is fitting with Sleepaway Camp. And then she was the blonde woman uh, in 30 Rock, opposite of Tina Fey, Jane Krakowski. Oh, she's like the famous one, you know, the, the actress, right? Yes. Hilarious. Yeah. Oh, that blonde was almost Judy. Yes. Judy was a real twat. Awesome. Awesome fucking role. She is so good, I think, in this role. And yeah, again, like behind the scenes stuff, she and Angela and Meg were great friends. And so it was fun, she said. They just told her to just be a bitch, just be the coldest iciest bitch you can be and so when the cameras were rolling she was that but when the cameras weren't rolling they were all friends and having a good time essentially it was all these kids away at summer camp but in the mean in the background they're making a movie like it sounds like such a ton of fun 
Yeah. I would wow. say that even though Friday the 13th had more of a budget, um, they used none of it for their their scenery. Their their camp looks run down. They're just slapping paint on. Sleepaway's camp. Uh, what was this camp called? Arawak. Camp Arawak. Arawak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arawak, yeah. It looked more welcoming. If I was a parent shopping around for summer camps for my kid... I would definitely send them to Arawak before I would send them to Crystal Lake, just on visual alone. And that would be your undoing, because little do you know, you got Mel there uh, sleeping with the camp counselors, and then a cook that's trying to molest preteens. Everybody. Yeah, everybody. It's... And that I will I agree with that uh, too because one of the things I was noticing watching it on my beautiful Blu-ray copy where you can really just soak in all of the shots uh, is you can smell the blood <laughs> you can smell the blood the the dirty clothes the socks everything in those camp sheds those tight shorts they like the set design for this they really filled all of like the the cabins because I think it's the case that those kids were living there so it feels lived in all of their crap is in on the shelves and it like if you were trying to do that for a movie it would be uh, you know, more difficult. Although, to be fair, they probably would have color coordinated it a lot better and made a cooler looking shot. But just for the the kind of atmosphere of really being at camp, that really helped. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I, I preferred that in some ways to Friday the 13th, which is more sparse because it's not inhabited with a bunch of kids. You see Mel with his cigar. I don't, you know, you really, you know, I, I trust my kid with that guy. I love how the credits has this music, this ominous music sting as it's just panning over an empty summer camp that is not threatening at all the non-threatening summer camp and then all the little kids it's funny i i didn't i didn't know i thought they were gonna hide the whole like hey you know we're creeps five minutes in the cook is like i like them young and then uncle ben over there is just laughing <laughs> I was yeah like, oh, shit. absolutely that that is like where you get introduced to what this movie is going to be because before that we have this boating accident right where it's prior sort of like how Friday the Thirteenth starts back in fifty eight this is eight years prior to the present of this movie this is the key to it all like I got a lot of problems with this boat accident well let's start there what are your problems we we got the kids that are at camp arawak two of them are driving the boat and then there's a water skier behind and then on the other side of the shore we have this other small sailboat with a dad and his two kids angela and peter and on the shore is another man who I'm afraid I don't have his name, but nobody would probably know it. So we'll just call him the onshore guy. The onshore guy. Oh, they go onshore. All right. (laughs) That's right. That's right. There's an accident with the kids and uh, they kill the dad and Angela. Peter. Wait, but why? Peter's alive. Before we even know, like there's a boating accident happens. Yes. We got the onshore guy. We got the fucks in the boat that caused the accident. Yes. We got a kid that's like drowning and maybe another one that's still drowning. Or there's one that's like about to go under. Yeah. With we don't life know jacket. where the other they kid have a, is. They have life jackets. Yeah. Why is nobody trying to help these people? 
Well, you Everybody's sound like the girl in the water. Fucking, nobody's doing anything. You sound like the water skier who's in the water who's screaming like, "Somebody help them! Somebody help you those people!" You do it, bitch. Go help them. <laughs> Swim on over there and fucking help. I think she's the one who's least uh, in a position to do so. She's w- there's a guy on the boat that just killed these people. He's the one that pissed. Oh, the guy on the shore pissed me off. Probably more than anybody else. What about the guy with the lifeguard? The lifeguard who was supposed to be driving the boat. And he's just sitting oh, yeah. there looking, staring at it like, wow, there's a lot of blood in yeah, the water. Yeah, wow, look at this. There's a kid trying to live. I'm just going to sit on the boat and watch. <laughs> All my trainings prepared me for it. I know, man. You got to be doing mouth to mouth at least or something. Jared, I just beg you, if ever when you're being a lifeguard, you see something like this. Try to help them. Thank you. Remember that. Don't just leave them laying in the water all bloodied. And maybe they could have lived if somebody would have acted a little more quickly. Now, the familial relationships on here, are we clear on what they are? I'm assuming that Peter and Angela have two dads. No. That's what it looked like. So Peter and Angela, that's their dad, right? The guy in the yeah. boat. Yeah. Now, their mother is deceased she's dead we don't know how we don't know why probably murder the guy on the shore says that the doc is coming the doctor now he's married or was married to martha aunt martha and they have a child ricky and he's warning or giving it just a heads up to angela and peter's dad that the doctor is coming so you know let's go on shore and angela asks the father if Ricky is going to stay with them. And she refers to Martha as Aunt Martha. So they are all in the same family. now. So I guess I missed a lot of maybe the dialogue of them chatting before the accident happened. Yeah. And it just none of it registered like that. Yeah. Right. Because Spoiler alert. Angela's. So he's, he's shagging. Aunt Martha must be Peter and Angela's dad's sister. And that's her husband? Or are we talking brother, brother here? Not brother, brother. It's not okay. It's not that for sure. Now, but there's two options, right? Yeah. So it's either their dad, Martha is either their dad's sister, or it could have been their mother's sister, which would uh. probably be the best one if it has to be any of them. Because otherwise, Martha's brother ends up sleeping with her husband. Fucking and her that's husband. like worse. Yeah, that's pretty shitty. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we give benefit of doubt, we say that Martha and her sister are the familial relationship there and that the two guys are not, you know, they both married in. So now that I have all of these facts. Yes. I'd say that the mom killed herself. She's discovered uh, her brother-in-laws are hooking, her husband and brother-in-law are hooking up. It could be. Plus, she's just got that crazy sister. She doesn't even have... A sister that she can go to and be like, dude, our husbands are fucking, her sister is out of her head. She's (laughs) like, I just gotta, I'm fucking out of here, bye. Dude, Aunt Martha's a psychopath. Peter, Angela, raise yourselves. There is something really interesting in the documentary uh, on this movie that I watched where the actress who plays Angela 
the older Angela, the sleepaway camp Angela, is going through the plot and says, Martha, who thinks she's a doctor, and then continues on. And I was like, whoa, Whoa. that is a new angle on this story that Martha isn't even a doctor and just pretends to be. And then on top of that, uh, faked the physical forms like, that is fucking nuts i assume that she probably was a doctor but she's a little off her rocker but i guess it would kind of comport with the facts of the movie that she's just faking being a doctor because she is she is so out there it's awesome well she's not faking whatever prescriptions she's writing for herself because she <laughs> is nuts it's great making dressing up peter like angela oh boy <laughs> she's she's on meth but yeah. she takes a reasonable amount. She's not out of control with it. She's on just enough that she can be Speedy Gonzalez all day, but not enough that she no longer cares about her appearance. Uh, she does dress from the clearance rack at a Goodwill store, for sure. It doesn't matter what the garment is. I'm just going to put it on without any second thought. There's an air of whimsy about her. And I do like, but I, I think she's uh, she's kind of fun. And if you see her today, she looks like the lead singer of Killing Joke. Honestly, I'd be more scared to live in a house with a mom like that than to be living in the house of a parent who, like a like Billy's dad from Stranger Things. I'd be more comfortable in that house than in the house with this psycho. Really? She's like ready to explode at any moment. It would keep you on edge. She's going to lock all the doors and set the house on fire. It would keep you on edge. But, I mean, at least I would I would take the crazy woman over the crazy violent guy just because males are so much more prone to physical violence. Well, I'm saying, all right, let's, let's put the same violence of Billy's dad. Let's assign that to a female. That's a mom that has that same kind of like... She's going to jack her kids up. I think I'd take that household. True, right? <laughs> so we're here and we know it's eight years later and we're made to presume that, yeah, Peter died and Angela went to live with the aunt. That's why they got custody or why Martha got custody because, again, it's this uh, family relationship. And do you think Ricky knows? This is a big question that hangs over the movie. Well, that's a tough call. Remember that there, there was a scene where um, Ricky says to Angela, don't worry, he'll get him. He, he referring to who? Who is he referring to? I don't know. I thought he was referring to Peter. Where Where is this in the movie? Uh, I forget. I forget what, after someone died. Um, I think I think that it was it was when Meg forced her to swim or something. And then uh, Ricky goes, don't worry, he'll get him. And he's not saying I'll get him. He's saying no. he like this. Yeah, it was so it was it was such a quick scene. It was really fast. Huh. That's interesting. I didn't notice that either. My guess would have been that Ricky didn't know because the mom basically was saying that she was keeping it from the dad. But then you would think if they're two kids living in the house together at some point, there would have been a moment where maybe that Angela would have shared. You mean Martha is keeping it from her husband, the dad? Yeah, like doesn't she say... And when, you know, whatever he comes home, we'll just tell him la la la. Uh, she's talking about Ricky, I believe, there. When Ricky comes oh, home. Oh, okay. So here's the thing. When I'm realizing now 
that that's the guy on the shore was her husband and all of that. Yeah. When I obviously when the movie was wrapping itself up, I see that she is the aunt and all of that. But I didn't realize that that's I mean, I started to realize as we were watching the movie, I suspected that Angela was the survived kid and that this was these were vengeance kills, much like the Friday the 13th Mrs. Voorhees deal. Yeah. But it didn't register to me straight out the gate when she's like, you're off to summer camp. Like, I didn't know that those weren't two separate kids that were going to go to the camp. And now they're going to whatever the hell happens there. I didn't realize that this was one of the kids from the boat. Yeah, I mean, I kind of figured it out after that scene. I was like, oh, okay, I think that was the kid. And all, you, do I, I knew it was her right away after, like, the first kill. And then they're just, like, zooming in her blank face when she's, like, staring. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I didn't know about the sex thing, though. I, I feel like they give you suggestions that it would be her, but then they also want to do that because... Then they make it seem like, oh, it's so obvious because she was the one being picked on that you then think, oh, but it can't be her because they wouldn't make it her. And then they turn yes. it around and then make it, well, it's not really her. It's her, Peter, her brother, because that's not even her, which I, <laughs> I can think is great. Yeah. So I did have one point when I was like, maybe it's not her. And maybe it's this 40-year-old blonde that's at the camp with everybody. She's on the same level as Meg, but she's the blonde-haired girl, and she's, like, nicer to everybody. She's the one that, um, when Meg is harassing her about participating and not talking to the friend, and then the blonde comes over and is like, leave her alone, la, 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 like, sticking up for her and stuff. Because then I was like, oh, that could work for her to be the killer. Because she seems so nice and sweet. But then here she is killing everybody. And then sticking up and, and really going after like the bullies. Yeah. So now the kids are arriving at camp. They're all running by screaming. And the uh, the owner, Mel, and the counselors, they're all screaming at these kids as they run by. And my favorite counselor, the lead one, I call Tony Dance. Oh, uh, Ron. <laughs> yeah. Ron. Every time he makes an entrance it's the most amazing outfit that you can imagine it's like they had a contest see how fucking bonkers can we make these outfits in this movie because martha if you thought martha was something aunt martha that's nothing compared to what these fucking kids and counselors are going to be wearing at camp <laughs> it's fucking yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Angela and Peter's dad would have been really taken by Tony Danza's cousin. Oh, yeah? That's his type. Oh, he would love it. Is that uh, is that Aaron's type? No, 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 no. That's Angela and Peter's dad's type. No? Okay. Because the guy that was on the shore, he was like tall. How about, how about the softball guys? <laughs> oh, the softball game. Tall, got some biceps, and the, and the softball. Yeah, he's dark hair. That's yeah, like perfect <laughs> their dad oh you're talking about the guy well either of them maybe you're talking about the onshore guy or the dead boat kill guy i'm talking about um dead boat dude okay <laughs> and and you know what onshore dude too okay both of those dudes yeah they would eiffel tower tony dance <laughs> they cousin. would love to eiffel tower tony dance's cousin and tony dan they could switch positions there could be all different it's almost like how many different combinations can we make here Okay, I'll abide this because I believe that Ron was of age at this time. I mean, he well, he's one. He does I don't know. Look he's like about he's 45, thirty-five. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I'd never. say he could choose at this point. <laughs> 
Now I got perhaps a bombshell for you guys with these uh, the cooks who are watching, and we got, of course, the pedophile cook <laughs> who um, says, uh, "Where I come from, they call them baldies," which is one of the most despicable lines. Cringe. That is unnerving. It's so cringy that I'm not so sure this guy is not an actual fucking molester. Well. <laughs> Now that just speaks to his performance because apparently the actress who plays Angela was saying that he was one of the nicest people on the set too. He was always Oh yeah, to all the kids. <laughs> no. Oh, that's how, how it starts. starts. He, he was always letting them sit on his lap and helping them to dress when they they, they, they were having, you know, problems. Yeah. Uh He's no, helping they, them learn about their bodies. Exactly. Because somebody's gonna teach you about what the ending of this movie really means, you know. So let me help you no they she said that he was always sitting off to the side always reading always had a book in hand like watching from the sideline stalking it is funny when they talk about uh his craft taking his craft seriously <laughs> like well he's in a sleep he was out there doing the field research so he could really <laughs> play the role he, he was uh he was heading on over to penn state he heard that there was some good um good method acting that he could uh follow by hanging around the locker rooms over there sandusky was in his prime that fucking piece of shit now he gets angela in this walk-in fridge in the kitchen it's the first time that he's meeting this kid who's not going anywhere and he's just gonna within the first five minutes that's when she's getting raped that's how brazen and comfortable he is with his pedophilia like and to be honest, he has no reason to be concerned because even as the kids are running by and he's talking about how they're young, fresh meat and where he comes from, they call them baldies. Uh, James Earl Jones's brother's reaction is to slap him on the back of the shoulder and laugh and shake his head and walk away. <laughs> that is not fucking cool, man. But that is James Earl Jones's brother, by the way. It is? Yes. Wow. You're making wow. that up. It sounded funny. Like, I know. Don't... I just thought you were being racist. That is funny. <laughs> you know what I loved about this scene, too? After he's in the walk-in with Angela, he comes walking out, and it, this speaks to what you're saying as well with his brazenness, that he is tugging at his belt buckle yes. as he's coming out of the closet. You know, like, get your shit in order. <laughs> Before you're going to enter a room with other adults after you just try to rape a kid. That is a pro tip from Aaron. Yeah. Buckle your belts. For all you pedophiles out there, and I'm sure... You know they're listening to this one. <laughs> We're going to upload some of my old pageant pictures on the website. God. Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I got to take that one down now. I feel I feel bad about... Not the pageant pictures, but the, the picture of the DIY scrunchie kit. Now I feel like oh, I got to yeah. go back and remove that. No, leave it up there. It'll make me feel good if any <laughs> pedophiles say anything nice about it. <laughs> you appreciate the suitors no matter what form they take. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm old now. That'll be, uh, that'll be nice. Uh, just a quick digression. You were in pageants? Did we never talk about this before? I don't think so. Maybe there was a brief mention about Little Miss New Jersey. Yeah. But I figured you'd just get that if you... <laughs> Have, if you have all your teeth and you get a picture in the yearbook. <laughs> oh, no, you don't have to have your teeth. Oh, no. Okay. Actually, yeah, probably better if you don't in some, some circles. I did uh, a lot of beauty pageants. That's why I'm so smart. 
There you go. One of the things I do love about this movie, too, is the dialogue for the adults isn't always the best. See Martha, even though it's fun. And then Mel's monologue after he finds Meg dead in the bathroom. That'll be fun to talk about. But I love the way that the kids talk. The kids talk like real kids. It does feel genuine. Yeah. Especially the swearing. Yeah, all the swearing. Rick is telling Angela about you know the backstory because this is angela's first time at camp but not rick's and uh judy got tits so she's too good for him now they used to date they used to have a thing but he says well yeah he's like last summer i was finger banging judy (laughs) (laughs) well actually wait wasn't it paul who comes by and says have you seen judy and then does the yeah the hand the uh international sign for tits (laughs) (laughs) And you got to move them up and down, too. It's impossible to do it, even as I'm talking and doing it. Yeah, you have to move them up and down. (laughs) Yeah, well, boobs are always doing that. They are. Even when a woman's just standing still. It's one of the great things about them. They're always slightly moving. They're never idle. (laughs) And so then, speaking of it, which, we're then in the girls' cabin. Angela, Judy, and Meg are unpacking. And this is our real introduction to Judy, who is one of the best characters in any of these movies i love how sexually aggressive she is too she's just like ah (laughs) i thought meg was a real fucking bitch too i mean they both were but i mean judy seems like she's gonna be a slut i don't get slut vibes from meg no no meg wants wants to oh no no meg is the one meg's the one that's fucking the older guy yes yeah or trying trying to not even uh necessarily doing it i got the sense that judy is sluttier even though Meg's the one trying to get with the old guy. Oh, she for sure is. Judy's backstory is really fucking dark in this movie because, yes, she is She is very angry and she, she's sexually uh, aggressive, but in a way that just wants to spite people. There are a couple of shots of her. Uh, the one after she gets caught making out with Paul in the woods by Ricky at the end of the movie. And then Paul goes away and she's like shouting these expletives at him. And then there's a look on her face that is just like of sheer sort of loneliness and desperation that is alarming. Like she's like the kind of woman that puts a diaper on and drives cross country to her lover's house. Oh yeah. Well, she's an astronaut. She's an astronaut. Yeah, Space Camp is next year for Virginia. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. right. Do we want to say anything about her hair? The hairspray. Yeah, the side ponytail, all that shit. It was really long. I I mean, this is further into the movie, but while we're on the hair, I'm not really sure who curls their hair in the dark. First of all, you don't use a curling iron without having a goddamn mirror. If you're in a scenario where you have no mirror, but you have to do some sprucing up, you could make it work without the mirror, but you don't do it in the dark. Who's in there curling their hair in the dark? The hell is that? If there's any takeaway from this movie, apart from Aaron's little pep talk to pedophiles to get your shit in order before going back out in public after trying to molest a kid, it's don't use a curling iron in the dark because that shit's going to end up in your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> you got to use those scrunchies. And, you know, because no guy can compete with that. Yeah, it's better that she died. I read some things but it seems a little inconclusive that they may have shot they may have had some footage that was like a much more graphic 
uh, shot of her death, but they pulled that. It was also apparently, according to IMDb, that that scene was why Jane Krakowski didn't take the role because she thought that was too gory and violent uh, a way for a kill to be. So we got this Judy instead, which I think this Judy is great in the role. Yeah, you know what I would say about the the kids in this one? I mean, a lot of them are not kids anyway, but the acting in this movie is strangely better than the acting in Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th felt really like cheesy and not, and maybe it was the lines written in Friday the 13th too, but I just felt like it was more believable when the kids were getting into it and fighting back and forth or any of it. It seemed more realistic. I agree. And I think part of that is because they were using real kids uh, here in this movie rather than, you know, people in their 20s to try to portray people who are 17 or 18. And um, uh, and yeah, I think like it did feel genuine and they kind of did. I wonder how much improvising they allowed them to do. It's just kind of like, yeah, act like a bitch. Here's the here's some lines. Make sure you kind of hit these marks. But uh, so apparently for Ricky's audition, the director, writer, producer just wanted him to curse him out. He said, curse me out. And then he did. And that's kind of like the scene that becomes him screaming at the kid, guys. Oh, I can't wait till we get to the water balloon fight on the roof. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's God. That, it became that The guys scene, with the right? short shorts. <laughs> yeah, she gets hit with a balloon and she falls the fuck down. And now she can't get up. It's like she took a 12 gauge to the face oh, is the Jesus. way that they treat it. Man up. No wonder you're getting dressed like a girl. Yeah. <laughs> in front of guys who also dress up like girls. Yeah. And then Mel comes running up in that scene and is so furious and starts screaming at the guys on the roof having a water balloon fight. You know how dangerous those things are. <laughs> Referring to water balloons, he, he has no problem with them running around on the roof of a cabin <laughs> it's fucking nuts it's and then his outfit there was off the charts too because he's wearing white shorts white shoes and black socks up to his <laughs> knees and meg wants to fuck him i can't <laughs> wait to get in bed with that oh yeah meg is primed and ready so the first time we're in the cafeteria and this is at the beginning of the movie, we see Mel greet Meg with a hug and keeps his arm around her waist. This is in the cafeteria while everybody is eating. It's like she's a dancer at the Pink Poodle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he doesn't. She's the cocktail waitress. He doesn't give a shit if anybody knows. <laughs> when he's looking for her when they're supposed to fuck, she tells everybody that she's going on a date and he's just going around asking other kids if they know where she is. I know. He don't give a shit if he gets caught. He's saying like, oh, she was supposed to be at my place at nine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? Like, and I guess. I got I got a nice bottle of red breathing right now. Where is this bitch? <laughs> I guess she is a counselor. So we assume that she's 18, okay. 17, yeah. 18, right? But that still doesn't. What are you doing? Like, that is nuts. That is crazy. Is and crazy. then in the cafeteria, as she walks away after he's held his arm around her, he smacks her on the ass. 
Yeah. Welcome to camp, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Camp Kukowski. In case you don't like this, we got a cook for you, too. <laughs> Anybody misbehaves, you're going to take a whooping from daddy. <laughs> and if you taste something funny in the spaghetti sauce, that's just the ash from my cigar, because I don't care where I fucking smoke these things. It's good for you. Dude, he does not. I love how he, every time there's like some kind of incident or fight, he just stands there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, interesting thing uh, about him and Meg, the actress who played Meg was an actress on All My Children at the time. She arrived to set in a stretch limousine. Wow, that's that was my mom's favorite soap opera when I was growing up. What character was she, I wonder, because uh, I didn't recognize her. Now you're going too deep for me. I don't know, but we, we can look it up. Yeah, you should show it. I wonder if she was mom. Kendall. I don't know. She was apparently a big deal at the time. And then Mel, Mel was like a pretty... Yeah, he looked familiar. Yeah, see, he was in some pretty big movies in the 70s. So he was kind of like maybe the biggest name here along with Meg. And he unfortunately... He died after the movie was released. Uh, yeah, it was just before. He was dying of lung cancer during filming. But man, he's a trooper. <laughs> Well, no kidding with the cigar. But they needed him. They needed him to be smoking a cigar in every scene. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. So, sorry. That's kind of rubbing it in, isn't it? Hey, guys, I, I'm dying of emphysema right now. But par- sorry, it's part of your character. We need you to smoke a cigar. Wow. Is there any way that we can fake it? No, there's not. We need it to be a real cigar. Mm. Are you passionate about your craft? Light the cigar. Stop whining about the lung cancer. There's nothing you can do about it now. You're already dying from it. And anyway, we use something fake. The viewers are going to know. Never mind the fake beehive we're going to use later on. Or the fake mustache on the cop in the second half of the movie. Did you guys notice the fake mustache? Dude, it looked fake. I didn't know it was. (laughs) After the boy with the mullet drowns, he shows up. So after the uh, the cafeteria, then we have an... I'm going to be saying this a lot throughout here. We're at an indeterminate amount of time later in the boys' cabin before a very boring softball game. But there are some wonderful fashions on display. Oh, my God. I couldn't take it seriously again. Oh, uh, yeah. Someone's wearing a blue oyster coat. That's right. And a USC cutoff. What is with the cutoffs? Yeah, you know what? When I saw the USC cutoff, too, I was hoping that we were going to get to see him die because I've just met so many douchebags since I moved to California with USC degrees. Oh, really? (laughs) Yep. Well, you get your wish. I root against them just because of the ones that I've met, the representatives. Yeah, they are tools. Really? Unless you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, USC. It's like it's like all the rich kids. Oh, versus UCLA. UCLA is a public school. USC is a private school. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought they were both. So all the rich kids kind of pay their way into it. That's what that that, that was that whole varsity blue scandal. Isn't that where Aunt Becky was paying to send her kids? Yeah, that was the varsity. Or was that Felicity Huffman? Or was it both of them at the same school? Okay. Oh, so that's. Oh, man. I'm ashamed I didn't know that, but um, I've only been living in LA a short time. I didn't realize. So, okay, so that's like in Chicago. That's University of Chicago, private, versus University of Illinois at Chicago, which is public, which is my yeah. alma mater. Uh, okay, right. Yeah. So the UAC is much more affordable. The UFC is like three times as much because it's private. Okay. 
So it's, yeah, it's where all the you know all the preppy kids go. Spoiled little fucks. So it's interesting because I get the feeling that this is in East Coast camp, like Friday the. So 13th. did I. Yeah. There was yeah, a lot of New York accents, and when they're on the boat, even in the beginning, the little uh, Peter, before he becomes Angela, has a really cute little New York accent. So that's interesting. So now that I know that, I feel like that was a very conscious thing, perhaps, on the part of the director, and he maybe he just wanted to have this guy represent USC and then die with a head full of bees. <laughs> Yeah, because their film school is good, but it's really expensive, so you know. Well, or maybe he went there. Who knows? And he's based him off one of the dickheads that he was in school with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Aaron's got a vendetta. This is good. We're going to have to keep this in. (laughs) They're just so douchey. Pop the collar, asshole. Or wear booty shorts. Oh, a pop collar, pop polo collar shirt, huh? Or in this case, booty shorts. They're like Stefan from Pretty in Pink. (laughs) But this this baseball game or softball game, this is where maybe the director, he was going for something here, but this just goes on for way too long. There's nothing happening. There's no, like, we don't know what the fuck is the point. They're all screaming at each other. And then at the end, it's like, it doesn't seem to be a score really. And then they just go off on their own way. I found it pretty surprising that the kid that's in outfield playing his Game Boy Ends up making the catch. Yeah, Mozart, right. Didn't see that coming. Yeah, there was all this drama built up, and hey, he catches it. Good job. And then we we, we, we just move on. No idea. Next and, batter. And uh, is it the USC guy who tells Ricky to eat shit and die? Yeah. And he says, eat shit and live. And I was like, oh. <laughs> is that a comeback? That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm going to start be using that. I, I have told people to eat shit and die plenty, but eat shit and live is actually worse you got the aftertaste lingering in there if you die immediately it'll never go away it's there for life so then an indeterminable amount of time later we're at the dance in the commissary hall and this is where we get the shot of angela eating a chocolate bar alone which i thought is awesome i i think angela is fucking great in this movie too yeah dude that stare she has oh man there's a stare that she gives when Judy and Meg are fucking with her. This is on the shore, of, like by the pier, you know, the docks that they're playing on in the water. And she's looking up at Judy and Meg and it's like a fucking thug look. It's awesome. Yeah. She nails it. She does it to Judy in the beginning scene, where, or not the beginning scene, but the first scene where Judy and Angela meet each other. She's just staring at her from her bed, and she's like, what are you looking at? And she just doesn't even break the stare. I was like, all right, gangsta, let this bitch know. <laughs> yeah, that's tough to do. Yeah, it's awesome. I think she's great. She's got very big, expressive eyes. Yeah, those eyes. I'm like, oh, shit, here it comes, death scene. This is the killer. I don't know if you took a look at any of the uh, the documentary, but today she has both very big expressive eyes and she is very, there is no doubt that she is a woman now, but uh, yeah, she's, uh, you know, Paul's. Oh, she's got a pair of tits on her. Yeah, <laughs> so this is where Paul starts chatting up Angela after helping Rick fight off those kids. So now we have Paul and Angela forming a love connection. And this is where I think you kind of have to start to say 
that Ricky doesn't know about Angela. Because like you were saying, what the mom was saying, that when Ricky comes home, she's just going to say that Angela was the one that survived the accident. Because we already have a boy. Yeah. That's silly. Would Ricky give Paul a heads up like, hey, just so you know, I mean, if that's all right with you, by all means, that's cool. But maybe you should know that my uh, my cousin is actually, you know, Peter. My cousin has a penis now. It's not very big. <laughs> and and she, she doesn't take rejection very well. And she might cut off your head. <laughs> but really fun to be around. She's not in a mood. Yeah, she's cool. Because now she hasn't been speaking this whole time, right? She's silent. She's silent. Judy and Meg screaming at her, why don't you talk? And then all of a sudden with Paul, she just won't shut up. She's like an FM radio DJ with the the amount that she talks with Paul. So this um, is kind of questionable. Is this end scene where we do see the penis, what led up to that? Because he's naked. So how did the how did the nudity come about? I think because was Paul raped? Uh, Angela wanted to reveal, but um, we haven't gotten to like the even the first kill. But we should start making our way through these. What did you guys think of the uh, the skinny dipping in the lake? Hey, I like I like skinny dipping in the lake. So how campy is that? Uh, we know Aaron's feelings on skinny dipping. See, I don't go in late. This is why I don't go in late. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's a good idea to stay out of them, uh, especially if you're going at night. With a killer on the loose. Uh, yeah, after having made fun of Angela. Well, this is the... Oh, my God. We skipped the fucking cook. We didn't talk oh, about... Oh, the corn getting dumped on him? But that's not a kill because that cook didn't die. So here we have a, the kid. He made fun of Angela and now he's going to get it. Uh, we only see the killer from the back of his head. It actually is Ricky in all of these kill scenes because Angela's mother, the actress's mother, didn't want her daughter acting out the kill scenes. She thought it was too violent for her young daughter. And her daughter was only 13 at the time. And Ricky was 17. And plus he's a guy. And they just said like, hey, we'll use your hands and everything for all those shots. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. So that was him pushing down the head of uh, this guy. But we got to go back to that cook scene because that scene is fucking bonkers. That's kind of um, what I thought they were doing there. And I didn't do any research to find out when either one was released. But it felt like because he was a child molester and then he's all burnt up. I didn't know if that was like kind of tipping the hat to Nightmare on Elm Street. Interesting. 1984, so the following year. Ooh. Okay, so not tipping the hat. But okay, so Nightmare on Elm Street stole from Sleepaway Camp. Got it. Yeah, I think it's conclusive. I think there should be a court case. I don't need to hear any more facts. <laughs> case <laughs> closed. None whatsoever. Case closed. Not concerned about when they were uh, actually filming this, when the, when the movie was written, if it was prior to the release of Sleepaway Camp. Irrelevant. You guys stole. And I think you owe residuals to not just the writer, producer, director of Sleepaway Camp, but all of the actors and all of the fans of Sleepaway Camp. Especially the boy with the penis. That's right. Because yes. <laughs> he's having a rough time of it. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the catch. In order to claim his money, he has to come forward. <laughs> 
But this is a crazy way for this kid to kill this guy. He's up on a rickety ladder over this pot that is like five feet tall or some shit. That he dumped about a pound of salt into. (laughs) (laughs) So if Angela doesn't kill these kids, uh, hypertension will. Yeah, I know. He is a killer. (laughs) Um, What I like about this kill is once it's all said and done and he's out of there, the ambulance comes... Mel pulls uh, Ben aside and tells him it's probably best if the rest of the campers don't know about this. As if this old guy is, is he rubbing elbows with the campers? I'm confused. Is he out there hanging out with the kids? <laughs> is that a requirement to work in the kitchen here? Well, well you have he to just have an attraction to kids. Yeah, he just assumes that if you work in the kitchen, you must be a pedophile like this cook <laughs> that's being taken away on the stretcher. So before you molest him, don't mention what happened to this cook because <laughs> Mel was totally willing to look the other way about what he suspected of this pedophile cook. So listen, keep the story of what happened in this kitchen. <laughs> Out of the pillow talk. It stays within the confines of this kitchen and all of our fly strips. You understand? Those flies are oh, going to yeah. talk. Take a take a nod from them. I'll give you 12 extra dollars. That's what he said. <laughs> those, yeah. those fly strips don't have any room to catch any more flies. You should invest in replacing those fly strips. Yeah, that's the one thing Camp Crystal Lake was really good about. No bugs. No bugs. That was one of their Yelp reviews. <laughs> There's a lot of complaints, but they do Kind of murdery. <laughs> yes. Uh, but or when I was buried, I didn't have one bug bite to speak no of on my body. Nothing. And a backup generator. <laughs> and a backup generator. That's right. I do like how James Earl Jones' brother is description of the pedophile cook is he had a little of the devil in him that's yeah. it just a little bit you know just a little bit like any of us that work in this kitchen he liked to touch the occasional kid in the back room i mean he he let them live <laughs> yeah he wasn't a total monster their spirits are dead but their their physical body is still fine they just wish they were dead but that's one thing that i do give this movie credit for is that it is kind of open about the dangers that are lurking around kids just in environments that you think are safe these are real dangers there's no need you shouldn't like ignore them but these things do lurk there and there's something interesting about that i felt like in this movie yeah it's safer just don't send your kid to a summer camp (laughs) if we've learned anything from these two if yeah. you need something to do with your kid over the summer, drive it into the city and just let it go to run around city streets. It'll come home alive there. It is a big question, right? Like I went to camps. I didn't get molested. I don't know what that says about me. What I'm not, I, you know, I was a little chubby maybe. But camps were kind of fun. But I would be concerned. Just leaving your kid overnight for days on end. How well do you know these adults? I help work at a surf camp. And these parents trust me with their kid. <laughs> and they're so dumb for it. But it's not overnight. It's not overnight, which is a yeah, big thing. Yeah, that's six hours. Yeah, and you're out there in full view of everybody. It's true. And you're you. That's true. The one thing the parent might pull you aside and just be like, just please don't give my kid any pot. <laughs> <laughs> give it to me. <laughs> I'm the one who will appreciate it. <laughs> My kid doesn't know how to fucking roll a joint to save his life. We don't want him to start smoking pot until he's in high school. Yeah. Until he can get help us be a connect to get the good stuff. (laughs) 
Um, oh, the, the, the lake kill. Yes. After that, that's when the cop comes, right? Yes. Yeah, with okay. his mustache. <laughs> that's the real mustache. When he comes to after the late kill, that's the real mustache. Mel is basically shooing him away. <laughs> Nothing's going on here. I recognize you were just here a day ago because somebody got Freddy Kruegered in the kitchen. And now we got someone turning up like Jason Voorhees in the lake. But I'd appreciate it if you just get in your little cop car and get the fuck out of here so we can continue on with the camp. Well, as the cop says, he is, quote, no expert in this matter, end quote. <laughs> so he defers to Mel for the homicide investigation. Yes, it's great. <laughs> when you got to trust Mel, you know you're fucked. I mean, you I, run a camp. You know what homicide yeah, looks like. Yeah, sir, you, can, you know how to seal off a crime scene and look for forensic evidence. I'm just a policeman. <laughs> I'm sure you did something in Korea. He's like, no further testing. Tag him and bag him. It was an accident. Get the fuck off my property. I love it. Yeah, as he's starting to say, like, you know, Mel is explaining to him, like, well, it was just an accident. Well, I don't know. It was an accident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so great. And then uh, he, Tony Danza's cousin's got to try to smooth it over with the cop, who actually the cop's like frightened of Mel. Well, he shows up alone to investigate these mysterious deaths at the camp arawak he doesn't <laughs> there's no second squad unit or anything this yeah, is where like, all of our community's children are here just just send just send this one guy to just go just do some of the paperwork and then get back to the real job of writing tickets to speeders danny we got another murder out there at the camp <laughs> do you want to take that one i'm about to go on my lunch correction I was told by the guy who runs the camp that it was an accident and not a murder. You can do this by yourself, right? Oh, totally. Please. It's what I was uh it's why I got into this job. Mel said it was an accident. <laughs> that's going in the report. Yeah. And that's and that's it. Case closed. Uh Jared, you were mentioning uh, uh Ron having to smooth things over. Yeah. He remembers he tells the cop that he remembers Kenny being a good swimmer. <laughs> but apparently Ron can't himself remember to wear underwear as near as I can <laughs> yeah, tell yeah, because the shorts are just like doubling as both. Dude, he has no sperm count. Oh yeah, right. He doesn't need it. That's a sterile human being. That sperm weighs him down. Good he got rid of it. He likes to raw dog the other counselors who aren't going after Mel. So that's why he wears those tight shorts, man. He's Eiffel Tower. We got to talk about, um, well, Paul and Angela hooking up and moving things along. Paul is, uh, after another night at the commissary, takes her out back behind the camp cabins and gives her a kiss. He gave her one of the old Frenchies. Yeah, not here. This More is like the first pack. one. These are two packs. All right. So now just to at least establish that we got Paul and Angela becoming an item. And Judy is upset because now Judy doesn't like anything to do with Angela. So Judy is going to do like she is a sociopath. She's going to try to steal Paul away. I'm going to steal her boyfriend. She's like, yo, man, we're going to make out in the woods. Well, what I love, too, is like when that happens, when she makes out in the woods and she's like, Paul said, you're a prude. And I was like, oh, I said, whatever. Like, at this point, wouldn't you just be like, I never said that. <laughs> Why would he even confirm what this crazy bitch is saying? Just dumb on Paul's part. Yeah, he just like runs away. 
one of the things that Judy says, and this is like going back to what we were saying about the lines in this movie, uh, especially for the kids. When Judy is pissed at Angela for getting Meg in trouble, when, when they were fucking with her on the beach, she starts really harassing Angela. She says, no hair down below, flat as a board and needs a screw. And her eyes are just like so wide and passionate. You guys remember that? Yeah. That's some teenage shit right there. That is a fucking vicious fucking line. And it's delivered so fucking well. It's so crazy. She's like, she's scary. She's like at that age where girls used to make fun of me for having no arm hair. You used to get made fun of for having no arm hair? Yeah, they said I shaved it. I'm like, no, I just don't have any. I shaved my arm hair. They used to go up to me, smooth skin, smooth skin. (laughs) That's a lot of Asians aren't very hairy. Yeah. Dude, you guys are fucking lucky. I know. I got. A, I lucked out on that. But then you have all that hair on your head, so you got lucky there too. Yeah. What the fuck? Everything's coming up, Jared. <laughs> yeah. No, because I told a kid at camp. I'm like, look. I'm like, you're half Filipino. I'm half Filipino. I'm like, you're not gonna grow any chest hair. <laughs> I'm like, see. Uh, I showed him my legs. I'm like, see this? I had this when I was in fourth grade, and it's the same as hairy as it was in fourth grade, and I'm thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now I am now I am getting a little concerned about the 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 Jared Camp counselor the dynamics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, now we're talking about showing chest and showing hair and telling the kids you're not gonna grow any. You're not gonna grow Feel any this. hair either. Well, he was talking about having chest hair. I'm like, I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> oh man, you're so. Because when you're that age, I think kids want to. But then you get to my age and it's like, oh, God. And, and the older I get, the more often I have to do my like body shave to keep things under control. Otherwise, you know. Plus, sometimes it's almost better if you grow no chest hair at all because then you can get that like patchwork versus if you have like a lot of it. Yeah. All right. So this balloon fight on the roof, which just like when it cuts to that... It is just a mind fuck. Uh, you're trying to process. Has anyone ever seen anything like a fucking water balloon fight on the roof of a of a cabin or a roof of a house? You're just standing there. It's equivalent to the scene in the room when they're throwing the football in the alley like two feet away from each other. It's yeah. mind blowing. So yeah, we mentioned that they throw the water balloon at Angela and it's like she's Willem Dafoe in Platoon getting getting nailed with a fucking water balloon. And then yeah. um, <laughs> she, she's down for the count. The force of the water balloon was so great that it actually knocked her off of her balance. <laughs> and she needs help getting up. <laughs> and yet she's not wet. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Ricky's screaming at the kids, which is what Mel sees, which later gives him the idea that it's Ricky who is the one who's killing people after he discovers Meg's body. But here's where we get perhaps the most ridiculous kill because the USC guy goes into the bathroom to take a quote wicked dump. If you only knew how wicked it's about to get. (laughs) He's taken out with bees after being locked in the bathroom stall. There's like two feet between the floor and the bottom of the door, but he never thinks to crawl under it. Yeah. Stop, drop, and roll, honey. I was thinking about that, too. I'm like, you could crawl under, but the budget. <laughs> yeah, the, the budget won't allow for our actor to crawl under the door. <laughs> Too much. You, we got to do this one shot, and it's done. 
Oh man, I love that. Yeah, but <laughs> the budget. <laughs> you can't pay him another day to film. You gotta, you gotta die. Gotta keep rolling, man. Yeah. We gotta use this extra roll of film to get some more footage of this softball game. We can't, we can't yeah. use any, any of it to show him crawling <laughs> under the door. Nope. Oh man, it is great that the uh, beehive that is thrown in has zero bees flying around it. That was lucky. They're all in his. It's very fortunate for the person or Angela using the stick. Throw it in there. Some pretty good special effects in places, though, like this uh, corpse covered in bees. Those are real. Well, obviously, those are real bees. But apparently, it was like an entire room that they had set up. And it's kind of a hard shot to get because the entire room now is filled with bees. And then a lot of the bees apparently were dying because, again, it was the fall and it was cold. So another movie in our Halloween double feature that is not approved by PETA because they definitely killed the snake in Friday the 13th. I'm going to try to stick to that, too. Yeah. When Meg gets murdered in the shower, I think that's the next kill, right? They find the USC guy, and Mel is really distraught about his summer camp empire crumbling. Uh, he still wants to keep it. He's like, I'm ruined. I'm going to be ruined by this when the parents find out that all these people are dying. Yeah. I the camp, I love that they're just going to hold it out, though. This camp is a uh, show must go on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This summer, this is what everybody looks forward to all year. And it brings in Mel upwards of $17,000 a year. He can't let that go to waste. Like, this is his empire. This is my bread and butter. Dude, he's got to buy those Cuban cigars. This is how I eat in the winter. That's right. <laughs> yeah. The long winters when <laughs> then I have no income coming in. <laughs> you think those are Cubans, Jared? He's buying? Or he's buying Cuban knockoffs. Oh, Yeah. We're on to Meg's death, where she gets the night off, and uh, she's got a hot date with Mel. <laughs> and Mel is taking this for so for granted that he even forgets. Mel, Meg has to remind him. Remember how you said we could, I could come up to your place for dinner, and he's like, "What?" And he's like, "Oh yeah." Like, <laughs> I mean, whatever. I guess if you want to, whatever. Mel. You should be all over this. This should be the top thing in your mind. Like, I might actually get laid by this 18-year-old counselor for inexplicable reasons. He has to be reminded. This is the best thing to happen to him during the summer. It's the whole reason why you have your summer camp empires to <laughs> maybe one day get to sleep with one of the 18-year-old counselors. He's like, honestly, I'm just so tired at this point. I guess I'll take a blowjob. Uh, so Meg has to go to the showers because there's too long a wait at this cabin showers. So she goes to the one that's vacant. And the director did say that he was intending this as an homage to the shower scene in Psycho. Psycho. Knew it. Except for that Janet Lee didn't hum a song that doesn't even exist <laughs> like a fucking retard in the shower before she was murdered the humming was pretty bad it was out of control <laughs> and it just seems to go on for a long time and there's really and why is she just she's just in the shower all like so chipper like that that is not the way a shower happens meg and that's why you died you you see a shower as a solemn affair it's not, it doesn't have to be solemn, but I don't like what she was doing in there. <laughs> oh, and, and you know what I noticed, though? What she was washing her hair with was Flex shampoo. 
do you think the humming is supposed to be building up suspense for us? Because I didn't feel it. No, I felt like, when is she going to die already? I'm sick of listening to this humming. Either hum something that's an actual song or don't hum at all. And that's, again, to go compare this to Friday the 13th, a much better film. When Marcy is alone in the bathroom, I feel dread. Here, I feel nothing. I'm just having fun with this movie. There's no sense of dread or anything ever. And I think it's the, the shots. And there's a lot of light in here, too. Just felt like nothing. I love how strong Angela is that she can just push a knife right through um, a tub and really got lucky with the aim, too. (laughs) Yeah. That Meg was standing exactly where she needed to be at the right time. Well, Meg is a very pliant victim. She's up for it. Definitely a masochist. And she's willing to stand there as the knife is being dragged down. I would say that knife going into her body was a better case scenario than what she originally intended to be going into her body. (laughs) (laughs) She was spared, are you saying? (laughs) Yeah. There's a part of her brain that is saying, this is the better path, Meg. Her body, her vagina was like, thank fucking (laughs) God. Here's a second gash that's actually much better for you. Yeah, the cough yeah. <laughs> the cough was appropriate there. That is the most appropriate cough to what I just said. Yes. <laughs> Silence and then a cough. Thank you. Yeah. So then um now she's dead. Now things are really picking up because uh as we said, Mel is gonna go looking for her because now he's all about her coming to his uh his room for dinner. And uh right, usually usually by this point Mel would have done his release for the day, but he decided not to so that he could be ready for when Meg came over. <laughs> so now he is just pissed. So so it's gonna his release is gonna come about uh, 35 seconds after she walks through the door because this is again, like this is gonna be the first 18 year old that he's had probably since he was 18. He's not worried about her. No, no. He's, he's in there for Mel. So 35 seconds is, that's, he's making pretty good time. Listen, Mel is at the age where he gets to just indulge in himself. It's been about everyone else for the past 75 years. And now he gets to just enjoy a nice 18-year-old piece of ass. And it's going to be on his terms. And I'm sorry, Meg, if you don't want that, go with somebody more age-appropriate. Yeah, go with someone who's going to give a shit. What I do like, what I noticed about Mel, and I'm not surprised because I think there's a lot about Mel that we don't know. Like, how did he come to run this summer camp? And I think that Mel's got a checkered past. And when he walks in and he sees this young girl, he makes the choice to not put fingerprints anywhere near her. (laughs) He doesn't even go near the body. Not going to check for a pulse. I mean, he's like, you know, I can't I I can't catch another case. (laughs) Yeah. So the same night that we have uh, Meg getting killed and uh, Mel finding her. We also have then at this scene where uh, Mel is having his monologue in front of Meg's corpse that he's determining that. Uh, Ricky is the one who is going around killing everybody. Then at the same time, so we got the one counselor who's going to take the kids out uh, sleeping, camping, and um, they leaves them unattended. And in the interim, 
our killer comes and just takes a hatchet. Could you guys really see what was going on there? Takes like a hatchet to the kid sleeping for no apparent reason. Oh. Yeah, what the hell? You know what? I just remembered. You know what those kids were? They were the ones that were splashing Angela after Judy and Meg tried to throw her in the water. And then when Ricky is bringing her back on shore, they were the kids that were in the water that were splashing at her. Yeah, she doesn't like getting wet. She just did her hair. So that's why Angela then hacks them up. And apparently the director said that that's the one regret that um, he, he had uh, was having those kids get, get hacked up. But I kind of liked it because it just shows a sort of brutality on Angela's part. Well, it definitely coincides with that crazy look that she has at the end of the movie. That look with the blood in her mouth and the psycho grin. That yes. girl does kill kids sleeping in sleeping bags out in the woods. I got to say, that final shot, when I think back to it, still does kind of give me chills. It's so freaky looking. And then the sound of just that, that weird, heavy breathing. So so you're asking, like, why is she naked and... Paul is also naked. I think it's because it was just like this like psychotic break in in Angela where it's like everybody's giving me shit about, you know, not getting naked, not showering, and I'm just going to get naked. I'm just going to show it and reveal it. Well, I also would argue that she it's almost like she's jealous that Paul French Judy and most times women get the rap for being the crazy ones. So would you guys recommend this movie? Uh, Jared, would you recommend this movie? Yeah, I would. Especially if you, see, if you like slashers. I mean, uh, where would this rank? Uh, Friday the 13th versus Sleepaway Camp. Which one? Because you didn't recommend really uh, Friday the 13th. Was this higher no, or lower? I, I enjoyed this one better. It was just easier for me to stomach because I, I couldn't take it seriously. But I did. I kind of appreciated that. Yeah, it was definitely more fun, I think. Yeah, more fun. Yeah. Aaron, what about you? Would you recommend this movie? I absolutely would recommend this movie. And for me, I would be quicker to rewatch this than Friday the 13th. You would? Okay. Now, is that because you've seen Friday the 13th so many times? or just... No, I, I think I'm not really a scary movie person too much anymore these days. And as we discussed, this movie wasn't really scary. Right. To me, it was more, and I wasn't laughing out loud, but it was just, there were parts of it that I got some chuckles from. Was it mostly the uh, the costumes? I got, I was laughing. It was mostly the penis. Oh, oh it's mostly- the penis was the best part. It was a good penis joke. Because this is the thing, too. Back in the 80s like that, the way that kids spoke to one another, there was it was very much a sticks and stones may break my bones, names will never hurt me. That was the vibe back then. So the way people talked to each other, they just ripped each other new assholes. Which is nice. It's hilarious. Yeah. You know, it's just not funny for the person whose butt is getting ripped open at that point. But I just see, too, like, they, they kind of spread it around. Everybody gets a little helping of it. Yeah. And in some ways, you know, obviously nobody's advocating for bullying. I mean, they were bullying Angela, but that, and yeah. she took care of that problem, didn't she? <laughs> she did. There's a lesson for uh, for people who are being bullied. Well, wait. <laughs> yeah, there is. No. This is before Columbine. It was yeah, this Don't before just go Columbine. into a school and start shooting everybody. You're killing innocents. No guns here in Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, plan right? out something with a knife or a cool bug or some some poison maybe. 
Get a little clever with it. Yeah, we had boiling water, we had bees, we had a curling iron. You know, you got to be be creative with it. Don't be so goddamn lazy with your yeah, kills. Just pulling a trigger, that's the pussy way. It's careless. And even like taking a step back, like what about the scene where the real reveal with with the flashback? What were you thinking at that point? Were you had now, you had thought already, Aaron, that this was going to go the route of Angela's a trans, uh, transsexual or transvestite? I guess it's transvestite, right? I, so I did, like I was, that was more like in a playful way when they were like, she won't go in the shower, la la la. But then I, as I told you, right before it was revealed that Angela was the killer, initially I'm like, okay, Angela was on the boat. She's the sister. These are vengeance kills. Then toward the end, I did think it was that blonde who she looks too old to be playing a kid. Then I thought that she potentially, I didn't realize it had been eight years post the boating accident. I thought, could she have been the girl that was jet skiing on the back? Oh, you thought Angela was that? No, this blonde that I said was really nice and sweet to everyone. But then she killed people. I thought that it was plausible that she could have been the girl on the jet ski. And now she was killing these people that were kind of like the girl that took... She kind of... You would figure like the girl that took the boat and then crashed it. You could have seen Judy being friends with a girl like that. So she may be targeting... And like the USC dude, was she targeting these people that were like the two that caused this boating accident that traumatized her? And then next thing you know, penis in my face... So I was like, oh, yeah, it was her, all right. <laughs> I mean, I remember the first time, like, yeah, having no fucking clue. And um, what's really, what's crazy is that my wife and I watched this, I think, a year ago, year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. And then she watched it with me for this, uh, the second time for this review. And she did not fucking remember the twist <laughs> so she likes it as much as you do she, she had no she was like uh she was like wait who died and then after the eight years later she's like oh see it was she she points at me she goes it was it was peter who died and she's like you didn't even remember and she was giving me shit she's like you didn't even remember who died because she, when she asked me who died on the boat i just kind of shrugged my shoulders because i'm like if she doesn't remember i'm not going to spoil the ending uh, for her to watch this the second time. And then she's giving me shit. She's like, you didn't even remember. You thought <laughs> that I didn't remember. And I just kind of paused the movie and let her have her moment because I'm like, this is going to be so great when we get to the end. <laughs> and then we get to the end. And just, I'm like, how could you not remember that final scene? I mean, it doesn't do anything at the end other than pan around and we get this crazy shot of uh, Angela naked and this weird breathing, which is chilling. And then it just goes to credits with like a 80s punk song or something. It's yeah. like fucking weird. But uh, yeah, that was Great awesome. ending. It was so good. And obviously don't need to hear from me, but of course I recommend uh, this movie. I love this movie. This movie is, um, it's a fun rewatch and um, it's fun because it's so bad. It's good. And right now it's free on Amazon Prime. Right. Or you can get it on Blu-ray. And you can get it on Blu-ray, and again, rest assured, no one's going to steal it, because they didn't steal mine, even though they cut open the package. So, uh, And everything looks crystal clear. So, 
that'll do it for our review of Sleepaway Camp. Thanks for joining us. And we'll be back with you next week with uh, our next double feature. Um, in the meantime, if people want to find out more about you, Aaron, where can they find out more about you? They can find me on Instagram at Aaron Minogue. And Jared, if people want to find out more about you, where can they find you? At Diraj Nivelle. I, I think I got rid of my Twitter. Diraj Nivelle is on Instagram, right? Yeah, on Instagram. Nice. You should get rid of your Twitter. Keep your Twitter, man. You can't get rid of it because you got those texts from China. That's true. Keep those. I mean, just out of respect for her memory, you got to keep That's those. True. I feel like he's probably going to get rid of it, though. He has been thinking about it. Aaron and I have a, a, a bet in the background, and you can tell where we fall on the bet. <laughs> tell. Where, where I can tell where Aaron is. Yeah. If you want to find out more about this show, any of our other shows, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, head on over to bandcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at bandcast. Send us any e- Oh, I haven't checked the email in a while, but that's probably okay because I think the only emails we get are from some family members of Nigerian princes who want us to help release the money. But uh, you can send emails to bandcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with our next double feature. 